0: You're listening to the PopZara Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the PopZara Podcast. My name is Corey Gallagher. I am your senior games editor with PopZara.com. Uh, you traditionally hear me with Nathan Evans on our monthly NPD slash What's Going On in Games podcast, The State of Gaming. Today, things are a little different. I am here with Moses Norton from The Pixels, previously the Well-Read Mage Firecall, and uh, we're going to talk today about a game that's very close to both of our hearts, or is it? Hard to say. Uh, Anyway, yeah, Moses, Well-Read Mage, welcome.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Corey, a delight to be on your show.
0: Hey, that's wonderful. This is the first time we've had Moses on the show But I've actually been on his show a couple times. He does a show called Magecast. Uh, I've talked to him about Vagrant Story. I've talked to him about Octopath Traveler. I've also done a little bit of writing for uh, both of his websites, The Pixels and The Well Red Mage. So uh, we've known each other for a while. Yeah.
1: You were also on uh, another Pokemon episode on Magecast, uh, Pokemon Sword and
0: Shield. So this is
1: actually our second Pokemon episode together.
0: Oh, yeah. On his
1: podcasts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. right. I must have been a. Must have been poke when we did that one, because yeah, that's, that's true, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> however, we're not talking about Sword and Shield today, we're not even talking about uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which were our other recent Pokemon releases. No, we're talking about the new, uh, I want to call it a spinoff, but I think the implication is that it's a main series game. It's uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, which uh, I finished a few days ago, and I think you're mostly finished with it, right? Uh, I'm
1: pretty close. I think I just got to the Ice Wastes Today, gotcha. So I, I, I don't know how close it is to the end, but well, we're not going to work on hundred percenting it.
0: Yeah, we're not going to spoil anything today for certain. But uh, you're pretty deep in there too, so we definitely have opinions. But I think before we discuss those opinions, we should probably start talking a little bit about um, our experiences with the series as a whole. And I'll let you lead us off. Uh, do you play a lot of Pokemon? Are you a master? Are you the very best, like no one ever was? Ooh, I wanna be
1: the very. Uh, so I love that show, <laughs> uh, the original. I, I don't know if I started with the show or the game probably the game I think the game was out first right. but the show has been one that I've returned to with my brother and then now that I have kids of my own I have <laughs> forcing them to watch it <laughs> so them to watch that it. they can fall in yeah oh now they, they love it but you know at first I was like, <laughs> no more daddy um, so starting with red and blue uh, I think I had blue because I was a rebel right. It really was a phenomenon. And Pokemon is such a unique franchise in that when it catches on, it catches the entire culture.
0: Catches them Uh, all, you might
1: say. Yeah. Ooh, there it is. We thought it was about catching imaginary creatures. It was actually about getting all of the consumers on board simultaneously. (laughs) Uh, So you've seen it multiple times in your lifetime. You've seen it with Red and Blue. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've seen it with Pokemon Go you've seen it various iterations throughout the years. And so uh, being a part of that wave and seeing people be introduced to RPGs for the first time through Pokemon has been a delight. It's just, it's just such a, a lovely, charming, adorable little series. you know, you don't really expect a ton from it. Sometimes right. I, as you I just want to catch those imaginary creatures and, and have fun. Right. And, uh, and I think this newest entry is is in that tradition.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, just talking about you know myself having played this, you know, just like you, I played a lot of uh, blue specifically. So maybe we're not rebels after all back when it came out back Ooh. in the 90s. <laughs> um, and I lived overseas for much of my childhood, so I didn't actually catch the show until much later after it came out. I would say about two years after the show initially came out in the West is when I started watching it. So that was uh, definitely an interesting experience to come back to the U.S. when I was, I want to say, 14 or 15. And like, wow, Pokemon is crazy over here. Because um, one thing I want to remind people, or maybe inform people who are a little bit younger than uh, Red and I, is that back in the day, Pokemon was kind of the Fortnite of its age. I mean, this was maybe the one video game people who didn't play video games knew about. I don't know if you remember that or not.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like every era has... That thing that transcends, you know, the 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 gaming context. Mm-hmm. Pac Man probably would have been the first. Oh sure, uh, Space you know, Invaders wrote maybe? like entire songs. Yeah, Space Invaders before that. Yeah. Donkey Kong and then Tetris comes along. But Pokemon, yeah, was one of those. I remember as a kid seeing like my teachers playing on a Game Boy,
0: <laughs> uh, wow. and that
1: didn't that didn't happen like
0: normally, you know.
1: Right. It's not like the teachers are talking about. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and play some Chrono Trigger. It's like no, no. But they're in it for the Pokemon.
0: Right. But all this background, of course, is kind of leading us into talking about the newest Pokemon game, which, as we mentioned, is Pokemon Legends Arceus. And it's interesting for a number of reasons. And I think uh, primary among those is the fact that it's maybe uh, the first kind of real-time sort of Pokemon adventure. A little bit of a cross between, I would say, Pokemon and something like Breath of the Wild. Does that sound about right to you? It does. (coughs) So uh,
1: I did not pick this up day one. Mm -hmm. Did you?
0: I did. Um, so, I was actually very excited for this. This, um... But then again, at the same time, you know, I'll freely admit to being a big fan of this series. So uh, I hear a new Pokemon game is coming out, and I'm on board like the second it launches. That's So of course, yeah, I picked it up day one. I was playing it like uh, midnight launch, etc.
1: Oh, nice. And actually, I wanted to ask you, too, for further
0: context. Oh, Have sure. you
1: stuck with the Pokemon series so, uh, from Blue, just every, oh. every entry?
0: So, the only ones that I really didn't play when they came out were uh, Ruby and Sapphire, and those were the, those were the Game Boy Advance games. Okay. Um, at the time, I think I was a bit more yeah. into like online gaming on the PC, uh, like EverQuest, that kind of stuff. So, I was busy playing that, and I kind of missed those games. But, um, you know, the, actually, funny enough, Diamond and Pearl come out, and I'm in college at the time. These are one of the uh, first times I get back on the series on the DS, and it was impressive. Like, I, I had a great time with those. And uh, since then, I've just kind of stuck with it, you. Know? I've played all the new ones as they come out. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say that uh, that's almost the opposite of my experience. So oh. I stopped with uh, Emerald, I think it was called. There's a lot of Pokemon games. To Emerald, the, with. the third I think game it was Emerald. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the last one that I would played until, like, Sword and Shield.
0: Really? So you just so, kind of, you missed I'm, the entire series up until very recently. I want to say Sword and Shield came out three years ago. It was right before uh, the uh, the thing happened that we all talk about nothing else. The thing. <laughs> yeah, that, where the big the thing, thing that happens.
1: wrecked Pokemon Go.
0: Actually, yeah.
1: Pokemon Go was my my uh, entryway back into the series. I'm
0: about to say, uh, a funny story. I'm pretty sure count that. it wasn't Pokemon Go actually pretty big during the pandemic because, you know, you could go outside and, it's been generally held that it's pretty safe to be outdoors, so...
1: I mean, I guess so. Pokemon Go, they adapted a lot of the gameplay to be able to play it without uh, having to travel so far. Oh, that's uh, neat. During the pandemic, so that's mean good on them to maintain that. But as far as Pokemon Arceus goes, mm-hmm. you know, getting it day one, so I, I waited a, a, a little bit, because I was... It was a, definitely a game that I was interested in. Sure. I was so, so um, about Sword and Shield. It just felt like the same kind of formula. Right. But then with this one, people start throwing around, oh, it's the Monster Hunter of Pokemon, or oh, it's an action RPG. It's an open world hack and slash, on and on and on, all the things, that the buzzwords that people throw around. Right. Uh, I started asking questions and it definitely piqued interest. So I went out and got it and discovered that... <laughs> There's a lot of newness in
0: Arceus.
1: Yeah. And absolutely. at the same time, it is still a turn-based RPG.
0: Right. And that's really interesting because one of the things you mentioned that I think really bears discussion with regards to this game is uh it's one of the first times Pokemon has really done something quite so new. Uh you said the Sword and Shield felt, you know, kind of the same, kind of, you know, you've played Pokemon before, this is more of that. Um, And that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I guess the series has been kind of known for, which is that it has a formula Mm -hmm. and it keeps doing that. And, you know, you love it or you hate it. And if you hate it, it's not going to try to convince you. This is probably the first time that I want to say decades that we have seen this series take such a swerve. And um, by a swerve, uh, just to elaborate for those of you who haven't played it, Pokemon Arceus is basically a Pokemon Legends Arceus. Sorry, (laughs) Nintendo. Essentially kind of an action RPG combined with a turn-based system. You move around in real time, you can catch Pokemon in real time, you like physically aim your Pokeballs, throw them, it's not a matter of selecting them out of a menu. At the same time, though, uh, you're also capable of engaging in that same turn-based combat that we've seen from previous Pokemon games. Um, And to get into that a little bit, uh, one of the things I mentioned in my review, and I think uh, we have both talked about this uh, on our own time. It feels a little strange to still essentially have that same Pokemon combat system in a game that is largely built, rebuilt from the ground up at this point.
1: Right. So when I first played it, I was like, oh yeah, look at all this <laughs> space. Oh, and it's so great. You can just catch, you know, a Pokemon without having to battle at first. Right. And then you enter a battle and you can move your character around, your human character. Mm-hmm. Um, but curiously, not your Pokemon. That to me felt like really trying to compromise or be go half ways on this, this action RPG thing. Right. So I don't know, to me, like when you talk about the combat, it's not an action RPG at all, but there's certainly the action elements as far as catching the Pokemon. So it's a weird uh, space that I think it exists in, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's actually really fun to play.
0: Yeah, very much so. As far as moving your character around goes, and it's funny you mentioned that I'm playing with my friend the first time that we see it. And I'm like, wow, it's really neat that you can walk around during the fights. I bet there's going to be points in which the Pokémon will attack you instead of your Pokémon, and you have to try to dodge their attacks while, you know, giving commands. Uh, that doesn't actually happen. That's not a thing. Um, no. It's, yeah. it's essentially moving a camera. That's what I about to That's say. A... It's basically camera control. <laughs> That's all it really is. So it's a cute yeah. idea, <laughs> but it doesn't really ever amount to anything, which I guess is a little disappointing. Um right. One thing that I've seen said about that, speaking of which, is that this game feels a bit kind of like a tech demo. Did you get that sense? That kind of it was an experiment to see what we can do with expanding Mm -hmm. the series? Sure.
1: I I mean, like, yeah, it's trying to have its its feet in two waters at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things unique about it, like the fact that you don't have to buy two different versions. Uh, It seems largely to be single player, although there's some connectivity that you can have with other players. So it does. It feels like... And you, you used a term earlier about the mainstream games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this seems like a mainstream game. It seems like a, a prequel of some sorts and a really intriguing one at that, especially for somebody like myself that's not up on the entire series lore. Right. Uh, and so it seems like it wants to try and and do a new sort of formula for the series, while at the same time thinking, if this doesn't go off... Uh, then that's okay. It could just be you know the, the ugly stepchild of the series,
0: right? Right. Uh, to elaborate a bit on what you said, when you ta- when you call it a prequel, uh, one interesting point with this game is that it's one of the first times that we've seen a change in the uh the time period that in which you play Pokemon, and not the first time. Uh, the first time would be Pokemon Conquest back on the DS, which is this kind of uh a very strange rendition of Nobunaga's Ambition combined with Pokemon, kind of this uh, strategy RPG sort of thing. Very <laughs> weird. Nobody remembers it existed, uh, but it did, and here we are. Um, Pokemon Legends Arceus, meanwhile, takes place in, I guess, the past of the Sinnoh region, which is the region where you experience Diamond and Pearl. Um, was it interesting for you to kind of see this uh, this different take on the setting as well? Because, again, this is not something you see often in Pokemon.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I never thought the worlds of Pokemon were really all that interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Having grown up in Hawaii, sure, I wanted to try the Alola region, but I'm not really too into uh, gaming on handheld. Right. So until those get ported, that's an unfortunate thing. But uh, this, though, it, it it's interesting. One of the most inter- interesting things about its world is that you're not that kid that's just like, oh, I'm going to be the very best there there ever was again here right. <laughs> you get to be instead of really a trainer you, you get to be a scientist you get to be a researcher mm-hmm. uh and you know in the series and in the in the anime they've always hinted at like oh i'm you know i'm a pokemon mm-hmm. researcher or i'm a pokemon breeder or, i'm a pokemon like photographer or artist right and they've explored some of that like you know with spin-off games like pokemon snap uh but really cool here to be a researcher i think Uh, It creates new potential for re-catching Pokemon and interacting with Pokemon in the wild in new ways, rather than just, I will either kill this or throw a ball at it.
0: Right. And that's interesting, yeah, exactly from what you say. Um, One of the things that kind of ties into that is that when you think about Pokemon, you think of them as like a as like pets or I guess wild animals, but you don't often see that portrayed in the games. they are more like random encounters that show up. And as you say, you either catch them or you kill them uh, here. You're doing more than that. You're, you're learning about an ecosystem, I guess would be the way to put it. Is that accurate? Yeah,
1: I think so. So beyond just, you know, the research tasks of catching a certain amount or defeating a certain amount, it's interesting to see tasks. The research tasks broadly are, little requirements that you get since you're building the very first Pokedex uh, for this region. Um, so it'll be, it'll be things like see Bidoof use his stupid tooth move 10 times <laughs> or, or see, you know, uh, another, like a Shinx use an electric move 10 times. And so you have an element of observation right? Uh, rather than just pure conquest and the ecosystem element is, too, is I think really interesting. I almost wish they'd made that a little more complex. There's the mass outbreaks every once in a while where you'll see more Pokemon spawning of a certain kind, uh, and it does feel like that these wilderness areas are alive. They've got Pokemon in them, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it just feels like it didn't go far quite far enough. You have you have Pokemon spawning in the same exact location right. every time you enter, um, but a step in a very interesting direction i think
0: so you would definitely want to lean more toward that whole you know you're not just somebody who uses these things as weapons or you know as i i gotta point out real quick that i never really understand the uh, the comparison to cockfighting that you tend to hear about with pokemon it's like no nah, that's not what they're going for at all guys it's you're having a good it's time largely with
1: tongue-in-cheek i think
0: yeah yeah but um, point being is you're not really using them for that for just combat. You are exploring a living world, You know, meeting these wild animals, maybe learning to befriend them. Because one of the points that the game makes very early on is that at this point in history, uh, they're not really considered friendly creatures. They're considered dangerous.
1: Yeah, and that's honestly fascinating to me. Uh, more than once in this series and in the anime, I'm like, so they really let just, like, 10-year-olds wander around with, like, a time deity in his pocket, like yeah. that, can just shatter reality. That kind of seems a little ridiculous. And I get, it, it's a video game. It's a video game with <laughs> that welcomes children in. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to hold up to some kind of adultish uh, analytic, but uh, having a society here that's actually frightened of Pokemon is, I think a very real uh environment to craft
0: right and that's you know one point that i've also seen made when talking about the other games is that the world of pokemon differs from our own largely in the sense that it's a more uh eco-friendly maybe is not the right term but uh people work together with pokemon and it's kind of an effort to create a joint shared world as opposed to here where for instance my cat lives in my house she's not allowed to go out because she you know will run away <laughs> and so on and so forth <laughs>
1: So I think the term that you use right there is is real good, uh ecosystem, right? And mm-hmm. and eco-friendly. Um that I think this does seem like it's working towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh you've used, you have used the term utopia yeah. before in reference to the Pokemon universe. Right. Uh on my show. And I think that is really accurate. It seems to come from a distinctly Japanese sense of uh, living in harmony with nature, refre- reflected in living together with these creatures that are not our our possessions, but they're our friends. Uh, they're not necessarily our tools, but they are living entities that deserve our respect and our, our own assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with Archaeus, though, you kind of get to see the start of that thought process. Uh, you know, I, I think it's Professor Laventon. Mm -hmm. Um, talks about a future in which people in Pokemon will be able to live together in peace rather than be frightened of each other. And it really, on a fundamental level, uh, again, having grown up in Hawaii, being exposed to uh, ancient Hawaiian beliefs, uh, polytheism, that sort of thing, there's a lot of spiritual uh subtext in pokemon Arceus that's really interesting to me but the idea of ancient man being frightened of nature uh is exactly what you see in Arceus, um and i think that, again that's just a really interesting different take to see for this series rather than throwing a kid out and he's like i'm just gonna collect a bunch <laughs> of badges i'm like we've seen that
0: yes. yeah absolutely and it's uh... This is one of the things that I think people have wanted from this series for quite some time, too, is exactly, as you say, kind of a different take on this concept that has a whole lot of potential, but that we've never really touched on. It's every single time, outside of, ironically, the Alola region games, uh, where there hasn't yet been a Pokemon League developed, it is essentially, yet yeah, go get all the badges, go battle the champion, and that's it. And you, uh, you maybe see glimpses of a larger world built around this, this uh, utopia, as, as we've mentioned. Uh, But you don't really have a chance to interact with it yourself outside of the role that you've been assigned, which is this Pokemon trainer who wants to be the very best, yada, yada, yada. And typically, when we see other glimpses of what this world is like, it is in the form of different games that don't play anything like the traditional games. As you said, uh, Pokemon Snap, you're a photographer, which implies that there's photographers, which implies that this is somehow related to research, which implies a lot, but it's mostly just implication. In Arceus, we actually do get to see, yeah, uh, this is an actual world, people are afraid of Pokemon, Pokemon can be dangerous, they can attack people, uh, we use them as food, that's a point that they don't like to touch on much in the games, whether or not you eat Pokemon, turns out you do. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs>
1: you drink their milk, at least, I mean, yeah. that's been
0: canon for a while. But, uh, you, yeah. you eat Slowpoke Tails, is apparently that's a thing, too. Um, one point that I uh-huh. liked that yes. is made very yeah, it is kind of gross. <laughs> One point that is made very early on <laughs> that surprised me is uh, the first time you use a pokeball, these are new devices that, as of this point in the game. Uh, it is mentioned that Pokemon all have the power to shrink themselves, and that is how pokeballs work. Um, it's been what? over 25 years now, they've never said this, and it kind of redefines almost the entirety of how we think this world works is that you're not forcing anything.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I think almost everybody operated under the assumption that uh, the Pokeball was the element that did the reduction.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly I thought so.
1: Right. Now, there's the possibility that they just don't know. They think that's what's what's happening uh, because it's such a new technology. But... It sure sounds like the game is telling you, no, this is how it's always been. And again, if this is a prequel, then if they start rolling out, you know, more content for this or in RKS Two, whatever they want to call that mm-hmm. uh, their potential to really retcon and redefine the canon of the lore in the and the series, uh, well beyond just Pokeballs.
0: Right. Like basically every aspect, you know, all of these questions that I'm sure people who are fans of the series have had for so long. Well, we have a perfect opportunity to answer them now, should that be something we're concerned about. Uh, But moving on from lore, uh, one thing that interested me that we talked about briefly is the fact that this turn-based combat is still in place. Do you feel like it kind of doesn't really mesh with the rest of the game? I mean, there are some slight additions to it. Uh, There's this concept of taking multiple turns if your Pokemon is especially fast. Uh, There are different ways to use your moves, but those basically just boil down to hit harder, go slower, hit weaker, go faster. Um... Do you think the combat might be a little bit of spiffing up at this point?
1: So uh, it's an interesting question. you um, use the term spiffing up. There's the there's the realization or the observation there in the spiffing up term that turn base is outdated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it it should be innovated upon or replaced with the more modern action RPG
0: format, right? Just to give some context for you guys who are listening, the point that I put forth was that um, I feel like a lot of the older turn-based games are maybe turn-based games because we did not have the capacity, in terms of hardware, in terms of game design experience, to make what we actually wanted to make. And the point that I used was Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, from back in the day, was a turn-based game. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we have, you know, as of a few years ago, is a very kind of anime-styled action RPG, and... My hypothesis is that what they wanted to make was, you know, basically an anime that you could play and control, and that's what we have now because we can do that. And likewise with Pokemon, the the point that I kind of feel like is that it was turn-based because we could not make the kind of dynamic combat that we want to see from the anime and such on the Game Boy. And it just kind of went from there. But, um, you've right. ma- yeah, you've made the op- the opposing point, if you could. Sure. So
1: So your point was really <clears throat> about the the tech limitations, the hardware limitations. The point that I tried to make in disagreement essentially was uh, it has to do with the context of the development of RPGs, Mm -hmm. Uh, the early proto RPGs, Dragon Quest and uh, Final Fantasy on the Japanese side. Um, And then certainly there's the Western counterparts as well. Uh, I think it's worth noting that most of the immediate context of Final Fantasy VII, for instance, because that's the example that we used, are turn based, even though there's the ATB system, which I feel like is kind of this interesting, innovative bridge between real time combat and turn based combat. Right. Um, and that's very much a distinctly, you know, square thing. Um, but bearing in mind that there were many action RPGs at the time, they were just in the minority. Right. Uh, we talked about Crystallis and Zelda II and we talked about Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy Adventure. And then on the other end of that bookend, I think of the context that that I'm trying to frame, uh, bear in mind that Final Fantasy stayed turn-based up until Final Fantasy X. And that was on the PlayStation 2, which absolutely had the capacity for action RPGs. That's true. uh, As far as tech goes. But naming NES RPGs that were action-oriented the, the tech was absolutely there, but I don't think – the purpose of bringing up the, the context is I don't think the mindset was there. Mm-hmm. I think that developers looked at the current historical context that they were fit into and said, let's make an RPG. And to their mind, an RPG meant turn-based because that was the majority. Just like today, when you ask somebody what are your favorite RPGs, what do you think about RPGs? They probably think of action RPGs first. If this is primarily what they play, because I think now it's hard to argue otherwise that action RPGs are the uh, the majority of RPGs today. And so it does make Pokemon Legends Arceus coming back to that game. It does make Arceus look Ar- archaic. archaic. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't going to say it, but then I was like, that's too gold cool not to pass up. <laughs> Beyond just archaic, though, I think more fundamentally an issue that Archaeus has is it kind of feels like it's working against itself. Mm-hmm. It sort of feels like it's shooting itself in its foot in that it wants to be this free-flowing, open world that you just get to run through. And, you know... I. <laughs> I try to avoid saying open world because I'm like, is this open world? Is this sandbox? Kinda, I can't really kinda. move between regions yeah. without returning to town. <clears throat> That's not really open world. So oh, there's a lot of just there's so many buzzwords. There are so many subgenres and cross genres that it becomes difficult. You know, somebody can say, oh, it's the first open world Pokemon game. I'm sorry, Pokemon Red was more open world than this. I could walk around, you know, whatever. This, (laughs) I have to return to town, the the starting town, in order to get to the next region. The only Uh, town, for that matter. Right. And then as far as action RPGs go, with the combat in our case, it's not. It's essentially Final Fantasy X's
0: combat. I was about to say, we mentioned Final Fantasy. The combat is basically the same as Final Fantasy X, right down to... Uh, speed giving you additional turns, adjusting your turn order yes. based on what you see coming, and so on.
1: Which I was delighted to see. I love Final Fantasy X. Um, right. I don't think that there's any qualitative difference automatically between what is turn based and what is action oriented. So, like, I don't think a game is better because it's action oriented or a game is better because it's turn based. Sure. I think that those forms need to fit the overall structure of the game. And in Arceus, it's, it's a bit clumsy. Right. Uh, that said, I do enjoy the combat in this.
0: Right. You know, the sense that I always got when I was playing is that if I ever actually am forced to fight, it feels like it's kind of taking me out of the flow of the game a little bit. Excuse me. You know, I'm enjoying, yeah. running, I'm enjoying running around, catching Pokemon free form, I guess is the way I might put it. And then, oops, I got into combat. I have to stop what I'm doing, change my entire mindset of how I'm approaching this game. It's just this dramatic shift.
1: Right. Now, I think uh, to tack something onto that, because that <clears> is an <throat> interesting uh, statement, that the combat is at least purely up to you right. to initiate, right? By and large, uh, yeah, could, there, there are a couple of yeah, occasions. Yeah. They're scripted,
0: right? Yeah. there. One point I was also going to make, too, is that for all the things I'm saying about the combat, it's not actually all that common. I think there are maybe less than 20 actual combat situations you find yourself in in the entire game.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, if you're avoiding if you're actively avoiding combating Pokemon, there's a there's a handful of boss fights and a handful of scripted fights. While we're on that, can I just say beyond the the clumsiness of of the game trying to be an action game and a, a turn based game simultaneously, mm-hmm. scaling would if so, if I were to ask you, Corey, what is one thing you would do to improve Pokemon Legends Arceus? For me, it would be scaling. If the bosses and the scripted fights would scale with your party, mm-hmm. that'd be pretty dang cool, I think. Because you <laughs> let's say the, the obsidian fields is humongous, yes, it's absurdly huge. Everybody who plays this game isn't probably not just gonna march straight to the next, you know, scripted fight. We're going to spend some time leveling up and catching your Pokémon and filling out a team, so that by the time you get to Cleaver and the the first scripted Pokémon battles, you just demolish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just, like, their face. That's a big uh, issue. I wouldn't say even issue with the combat. It's actually exactly as you say. Uh, the combat might kind of feel like a drag, because by the time I actually get into a fight, I'm a solid 20, 30 levels above whatever I'm fighting. And there are a lot of reasons this occurs throughout the game. Uh, you get a, There's an automatic experience sharing system. So Pokemon that are in your party that aren't actively fighting, they'll gain levels too. You'll gain levels for catching Pokemon despite not having battled at all. You don't have to. There are experience point candies you can find for catching and battling alpha Pokemon that give you huge amounts of experience. Uh, point being that, yeah, you will drastically mm-hmm. out-level a lot of the combat that you get into. And it's funny you should mention this. Because we talked about Sword and Shield earlier, and I don't know if you played the DLC, but they've already solved this problem in their previous game. The, really? Yes. The so D- the
1: DLC, Tundra, and all that, it had scaling?
0: It will scale, yeah. Um, I believe it scales based on how many badges you wow. have, but that still tends to be a pretty good like metric of how your team is doing. So if you go in there with eight badges, yeah. it's going to be one version. If you go in there with no badges, which you can do, it's going to be a different version. And for, I think, varying intervals in the in between the two, it will be different levels of Pokemon that you find. So at no point do you go in and it's just a complete cakewalk.
1: Uh, so there's stars in this, right? There's the research stars that you can get as a member right. of the Galaxy team mm-hmm. that essentially do the same thing as OG badges did, which... Let you control Pokemon over a certain level competently without them just you know ignoring your orders. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, the game scales to that, but it sure doesn't feel like it. It definitely <laughs> like does. I just it. fought, yeah, I just fought uh, the L- Lord of the Hollow, like mm-hmm. an Elden Ring boss today, the Electrode, and <laughs> uh, had to do a couple of fights in there and just cruise straight through it. You know, right. as long as you know. And who doesn't at this point? As long as you know the the type matchups, even just some really basic ones. Like, I'll still forget, like, what does Dark Week do? What does Fairy do? Like, <laughs> right. But, you
0: know.
1: but, like, obviously Fire Burn Grass, Water Put Out Fire. Like, I can remember the basic elements. And as long as you know that, like, you're already going to be humongously overleveled for most of the fights, it seems like. So you beat the game, right? You said mm-hmm. uh, the story and... Like, it never—is there any particular sort of challenge in the story without getting into
0: spoilers? Without going into spoiler territory, I never really found that the game had much to challenge you with, no. Especially because of little quirks, like I mentioned, all this experience that's going on everywhere. The fact also that uh, you can go out into the wild and catch, like, level 80 Pokémon if you are dedicated enough to the thought of doing it. You can just sneak up behind this big spooky Heracross or whatever— beat him in the back of the Pokeball, <laughs> and if you're lucky, he's yours now. He's level 80, you don't have to do anything with him, he has great moves. Uh, we got rid of most of the underlying training systems, like EVs and such. This still kind of exists, but in a different form. So yeah, I mean, you catch this dude, he's yours, he's good to go. You can crush the entire game with this one Pokemon. So, from that perspective, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, to a large degree, uh, this game is ends up feeling more about the spectacle and the experience of being able to catch all these creatures that you know and love and less about, you know, using them.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the combative elements, uh, would be cool to explore with this because you can get such an OP team. Uh, so dramatically. It means it's like an elite four times two in here or something. Yeah. Uh, all that said, you know, somebody may be listening and be like, yeah, but guys, it's a Pokemon game it's and you're kids. right. Right guy who says that you're totally right i mean this is this is meant to be a highly accessible game for a whole range of ages like my my six-year-old son can play this game Mm -hmm. which is amazing i mean like i could put him on grinding and just be like you need to grind for gravelers because daddy's got to evolve the scyther and i need that item and he did it i mean he could do it he could just You know, go around, explore and just pick out Gravelers or I can ask him to complete research tasks. And he he friggin loves it because who wouldn't? I mean, it's it's Pokemon and it's so fun and smooth. So the accessibility thing is great. I would be really down to see if they were to add some super bosses or again, something to just really test the team that you've built really naturally uh, just by playing this game. Uh, a series of alpha boss rushes or something. I don't know. I mean, they're the ones with the ideas.
0: Absolutely. Now, one of the things you asked me when we started uh, off on this particular topic was what I would change if I had the chance to change something. Yes. I have to be kind of brutal about it. Um, I would put this game on a different platform. Uh, It's not that I don't love the Switch. You know, I talk all the time. Every time we do State of Gaming, uh, when Nate and I get to the NPDs and they talk about the Switch games, I'm like, yeah, the Switch is wonderful. Everybody should have one. And I've been of that perspective with Nintendo consoles, you know, since time immemorial. Uh, I recall back in the day when the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and the Wii were out, the idea was generally like you get a Wii and one of the other two. So I'm not down on Nintendo right. at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say Nintendo is bad at all, but I will say that this game does suffer quite a bit from the performance limitations of the Switch, and it's hard to get around that. Did you kind of feel the same way? I mean, obviously, that's
1: a, that's a big talking point with this game. Right. Yeah. Um, it seems to mostly have to do with the visual presentation. Sure. Because as far as loading times, it seems to load a lot faster than, well, let's say my PlayStation One games for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Uh, it right. saves a heck of a lot faster than those. But end of the day, this is a tablet game. Yes. I mean, the Switch is a glorified Amazon Kindle. It is a a, a Barnes and Noble Nook with color. Uh, it, it's yeah. remember the headers Right, yeah. Oh, I have one still. It's (laughs) not even remotely comparable to a gaming PC or anything like that. Uh, I can appreciate that there are dedicated fans who are creating more uh, visually appealing, might not be the best word, but more visually stunning settings for this game in those realms. Mm -hmm. Personally, when you say performance, yeah, I really do think about like, Things like loading, uh, how well the game is running,
0: and I didn't encounter any of that, but it's kind of ugly. It kind of is, Um, and it's little things, it's things that maybe you don't notice when you first started playing, you go out into the first area, the Obsidian Wildlands, and you're just taken aback by, wow, I'm actually playing this wonderful real-time Pokemon game and sneaking up on these Bidoofs and beating them with Pokeballs, and that's wonderful, but then you get a little bit further away from the Bidoof's, and you look a little closer, and oh, they're actually moving at like two two frames per second, and it's really kind of great. Oh, and the
1: extreme background, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first time I encountered that, there was, there was a flying Gyarados mm-hmm. uh, over near the waterfall in Obsidian Fields, and I saw it in the extreme distance. And yeah, it looked like a series of still moving images, <laughs> just like two images oscillating. Uh, and I
0: mean, I guess that's a performance issue. It is. It's, it's, uh, level of detail. It's basically I, trying to keep the game running at a decent performance, no matter what's happening on screen. So they're doing their best. Oh,
1: you know what? Here's an, here's an actual like drawing one. Mm-hmm. Cause I was going to say, I don't know how much like that bothered me. If you talk about like draw distance and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got into the first couple of fights, uh, the grass texture would vibrate. Ooh. Uh, and that was actually, like, really hard to look at. Just, like, dizzying, right? I got right. Uh, a Pokemon and, like, a Bidoof freaking out in the extreme distance isn't huge to me, but if, like, the entire texture of the ground where you're fighting is doing something nuts, that's a little extreme. Absolutely. So, there's certainly both sides to this, though. I mean, some people will say, well, it's a deliberate art design choice, but certainly there have been prettier games on Switch. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, I think. You're going to hate me, dude, because I'm always in the center with some of this stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there's, there's extremists on one end who are like, put Pokemon on PS5. And there's there's <laughs> extremists on the other end. They were like, no, make it look worse. It's an art style It's deliberate. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle um, that you don't really have to expect this game to be on PS5, but at the same time, uh, they could have done a lot more for it visually, I think. Uh, Is that an ideal of this series that's been essentially a handheld series for for predominantly for most of its existence? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that Pokemon Red or or blue is particularly astonishing. Right. Uh, and if you go back and look at some of the, those original Pokemon sprites, they're hideous. Yes. Freaking chonk Pikachu all over the place. <laughs> uh, and so this is the same sort of thing. I think it, again, it follows in that tradition. Could Game Freak have done more? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So this kind of leads into, um, you know, a, an overarching point about this stuff, which is the Switch, um, Switch came out in 2016, if I recall, wasn't it?
1: Uh, sounds about right. I think it, you're right. Yes.
0: I think it's it's in that ballpark, certainly. And uh, you know, since then we've seen some really fantastic looking games. Uh, Breath of the Wild still really stands out. Um, Super Mario Odyssey, of course, looks great. I and mean, pretty much every first party Nintendo production looks wonderful. But slowly but surely, we're running into things like uh, you know Pokemon Legends, where You've got your two frames per second Gyarados floating over the and so on and so forth. You're vibrating, creepy grass. Another game that sprung to mind when I'm thinking about this point is uh, Shin Megami Tensei V. came out, uh, I believe, uh, last year. Really struggles. And I don't want to imply anybody did anything, but if you put that game on PC through some mystical means, it runs like a charm. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. <laughs> um, Kotaku knows all about that yeah i'm sure they do (laughs) (laughs) they know a lot about a lot of things um so my question for you then is do you think after we're going on seven years now no we're not we're going on six years i'm terrible at math um going on six years of the switch do you think it might finally be time for a hardware revision or an update maybe maybe we could call it the super nintendo switch
1: (laughs) yes because they just put one out right the oled that that was nintendo's concept that's
0: what we thought was going to be the switch too yeah
1: right that's what everybody all of the publications were like rumored switch pro coming it's coming 4k visuals baby and (laughs) they roll it out and it's an oled screen that's like slightly bigger uh which i mean i didn't pick it up i i kind of want to every once in a while but i'm like yeah i don't really use handheld games uh i've heard issues of people saying that their switch is breaking down uh, obviously, Joy-Con drift is a, very, maybe the worst thing about the Switch. Very
0: common, right? Um,
1: yeah. Um, do I think that they need to put out a pro model? Looking at, at it from the perspective of a, of a fan and looking at it from the perspective of Nintendo as a business, mm-hmm. I think you get two different answers. From sure. the perspective of a fan, I could absolutely see you know, the need for better hardware, and when I say better, like more capable hardware, to run the games that are palatable to the modern audience. Because the reason why like your Mario Odyssey example like works so well, like Mario Odyssey is gorgeous. Uh but Mario Odyssey is not an open world game where you look vast distances to see like a Gyarados flying in the background. Right. That you can run up to and catch. Pokemon Arceus just by, by its its nature, is this huge game that I think would appeal to a modern audience because open world games are so popular. But the Switch may not be capable of running games in that format. From a fan perspective, yeah, I could totally see. If I wanted a more involved, uh, detailed Arceus, you know, to me, it's not too appealing to just put it on a PC and up the graphics. That doesn't fundamentally change some of the clumsiness like again with the combat it right. doesn't change the the design of the game it makes it easier on the eyes which which goes you know further or, or not so far depending on who you're talking with but then from a business perspective switch is sold like hotcakes, mm-hmm. and i think that's largely because of its price point mm. and the ease of its manufacture and distribution. So, whereas you, we've seen demand has been huge for the next gen consoles, PS5, Xbox, Triple X, two six five, whatever they're calling <laughs> it now, Xbox, uh, those aren't as easy to find. They may be getting easier. But we know there's chip shortages. We right. know that there's issues with, and this is in P. I mean, you've told me this is an issue with PC because they're pushing that envelope of trying to be the strongest machine you can get. Right. That makes sense. Whereas the Switch, again, is a tablet. Tablet, it's probably easy to produce. Again, I don't know everything. That's I mean, that's that would
0: stand switch. to reason. Um, You're using right. this older hardware that, you know, maybe would have gone to like an iPhone 3 from like 2002 right. or whatever. So, of course, there's right, going to be right, right. plenty of those to go around, whereas with this new, fancier stuff, and eh, somewhat more difficult to find the unobtainium needed to create your PS5.
1: Exactly. And then you look at the price point of the Switch. Uh, people have complained about the prices of games, but that doesn't seem to stop people from buying the Switch. Because the Switch is so much more affordable right. than PS5 or Xbox, certainly much more affordable than buying your own gaming PC, you get essentially what you pay for you're getting a less powerful device uh, that has this range of exclusives on it um, rather than paying for these more advanced systems that can run games at, uh, at an improved rate, let's say.
0: Gotcha. So to clarify one of your earlier points, you would actually go so far as to say that the design of some of the more impressive games on the Switch is informed by the limitations of the Switch.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that. I mean, imagine if they tried to make an MMO on Switch. Do you think that would work out?
0: Uh, funny story, what they totally you? do exist. You absolutely can get one. They are terrible.
1: <laughs> are they ports of previous MMOs? They are. Or, I they mean, are like, I'm talking about like.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm about to say they are typically ports uh, of mobile is- MMOs, and they are horrible.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm. I was thinking. Imagine if they made like like. T- like a monster hunter MMO or like Mm. final fantasy 16 for switch for switch. I mean, right. I don't know that the switch is capable of running games that are as demanding fundamentally as those sorts of things. I mean, platformers, sandbox games, you know, indies, Metroid dread seem to be just fine on there. Right. But once you start looking into these broader games, monster hunter rise, uh, was another one that you and I were talking about. Definitely can benefit from some of the more powerful devices. Sure. Uh, it's
0: on PC. Uh, I'm sure
1: it, that's, a, it is that's very, a great way
0: to play it. It's very nice on PC, for the record. Check my review, popzara.com. Boom. Boom, there's a <laughs> the plug. Uh, yeah.
1: So fundamentally, yeah, I don't, I don't think that the Switch is just capable for some genres. And on top of that, I don't know that, again, from their business perspective, should they release a Pro model? How much more expensive is it going to be and how much how much will it cost them to produce it? So, like, is it something that they can easily manufacture and distribute? Right. Uh, If it's none of those things, I don't see why as a company they have to make a pro model Mm -hmm. because this thing is just it's still selling like like
0: crazy. Absolutely. Uh,
1: Where's the incentive for them to take that extra step and potentially face new hurdles?
0: And one relevant point that you might not have picked up on, because as you say, you don't really play a lot of handheld games, Uh, they did this. They did this exact same same thing with the 3DS back in the day. There was the 3DS. There was the 3DS XL. Finally, there was the new 3DS XL. (laughs) And something you might not recall, because you didn't really get into that console, I'm assuming, a handheld device, whatever, is that there were several games, one of them being Xenoblade Chronicles 3D, that, was, that were only playable on the newest, fanciest 3DS. But there were only a couple. Yeah,
1: yeah so I lived vicariously through some people during the 3DS age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we're seeing the same sort of mentality with the Switch, which makes sense. I mean, the Switch is both a successor to the Wii U and the 3DS line, it seems like. Uh, we've already seen the Switch OG, we've sw- seen the Switch Lite, and we've seen the Switch OLED. I don't think that there's any reason to doubt that they'll do another model of the Switch, but like we didn't see a 3DS that could, you know, just dramatically improve everything that it could do, I don't see, I don't know that we'll see a Switch Pro. I mean, I would be surprised if we see one. It's not impossible. But I don't know. It depends on how long they milk this. Like, here's a question to you, Corey, because you've been asking me all kinds of questions. <laughs> how long do you think they can keep the Switch like lineage going?
0: In terms of uh, consoles based on this current revision of the Switch hardware, because we talk about how the OLED is a Switch Pro, it's just a fancier screen on the same device. So, if that's what you're asking, I would right. probably give it maybe two, even three more years. Um, Nintendo do their own thing. I mean, that's always been what we know about them is that. I think there was only one situation where they really chased, you know, chased the dragon of the best graphics and that was back with the GameCube and that did pretty well. But since then it's mostly just been trying new ways to advance the way that you experience games and maybe not so much uh just from a graphical perspective, you know, what it's lo- what you're viewing. For instance, the Wii, I mean the Wii was a revolution, right. get it because it was the revolution and the eh. um uh the Wii nah. was yeah. <laughs> Uh, The Wii was a big deal. The Wii really changed how we approach video games. And, uh, you know, anybody who was alive in 2009, God, I hope most of the people listening are, remembers that the Wii was huge. You know, grandma wanted a Wii, and she usually got one just for Wii Sports. And that, in turn, guided the industry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this led to a whole... ...thing with motion control. Uh, Microsoft did it with the Kinect, Sony had the PS Move. Uh, Today, I mean, all your controllers have motion control in them, even the Switch controllers, and the PS5 and the Xbox, in fact, I believe. And from there, I mean, they tried again. They tried with the Wii U with this tablet concept, which at the time maybe didn't do so great, but the Wii U tablet is basically a prototype of what we have with the Switch. So I think the next time we're going to see Nintendo hardware, uh, and I'm leaning toward you being right about they're not making a Switch Pro, by the way, but the next time we see Nintendo hardware, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to try to take what we know about games and flip it on its head. Yeah. Uh, Can
1: I tell a short anecdote? Yeah. When we were watching the Nintendo Direct, uh, you recall there was the Nintendo Switch sports game. Yes. uh, That was revealed. Uh, Obviously in the lineage of of Wii Sports. Uh, And I could feel gamers imploding uh just at the why do we have to see a sports game a sports game this is boring (laughs) do you have any idea why they would make a nintendo switch sports game because the original wii sports sold over 80 million
0: units that's insane yep and it wasn't like yeah, it wasn't just selling units. I mean, that sold entire consoles. People purchased the Wii for the little pack-in tech demo Wii Sports game. They bought the whole thing just to play that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, so if if you make something that's going to be as best-selling as that, there's a Final Fantasy VII analogy in here somewhere. If you make something as best-selling as that, of course you're going to iterate on it. Of course you're going to revisit it. Of course you're going to repackage it. Uh, because you believe that you can catch that lightning in a bottle. Again, uh, the Switch has recently surpassed the Wii in sales. It makes sense to bring that in. You mentioned like a grandma buying a Wii mm-hmm. to play. Like I would go over to my in-laws. And like my in-laws are grandparents. And like I would go and they – like I would show up and there would be no kids in the house and they would be playing Wii together. And like can you- that –
0: can you remember that being a thing? Like, you, you would not encounter that. The the culture of video games just did not really allow for that kind of situation before the Wii hit the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, the closest that I could think of was Game Boy. Um, other than that, maybe arcades. But, like, when you talk about, like, elderly folk in droves in enjoying, like, a game console. Mm-hmm. Uh, predominant, like, dominated a scene that's controlled by... Uh, you know, the single player experience, uh, people talking about, you know, the the single player cinematic uh, story driven games. Here's the Wii with these like with tons of shovelware galore. And I don't think 80 year olds were compla- complaining about shovelware. Definitely it's, not. It's revealing when you talk to some gamers and. They're just like, oh, man, the Wii stank. It had no good games on it. And it's like you talk to an 8 year old and they're like, oh, man, Wii Monopoly. That's my jam.
0: (laughs) So Nintendo
1: was totally able to break beyond just the immediate kind of gamer demographic, whatever that is as a consumer base Mm -hmm. uh, and get beyond that into all kinds of other non gamer demographics. And I think you're seeing the same thing with the Switch.
0: Absolutely. It does seem that way. And that's a good thing for everybody because, you know, more money flowing into the industry means more games. Can't complain about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Moses Norton, the well-read mage, head of the pixels. We're just about done here. Uh, I have two slightly fluffier questions for you before we wrap it up. The first one is this. Uh, the last Pokemon game that we saw, Sword and Shield, was based in Galar, basically Britain. Uh, the one before that was Alola, basically Hawaii. The one before that was Kalos, basically France. What region of the world do you want to visit in a Pokemon game? Oh,
1: that's an interesting question. I wish I'd been prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we asked him um, now.
0: want
1: No, I know. That's great. That's great. Uh I, I would have said Polynesia, but obviously that's already taken. Mm-hmm. Um so you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say um I was gonna say the moon, and that's cheating. That's super cheating. <laughs> Uh, let's say the Middle East, uh, maybe the most interesting place on the planet right? for an innumerable set of reasons. Um, but it would be very interesting <laughs> to see them explore kind of, uh, you know, ancient, a clash of ancient cultures. And uh, you could have pyramids and stuff like that, I guess. That's I, yeah, fascinating. Sure. Yeah.
0: That's that's one of the better answers I would have thought of. I was just going to say Italy, but I like yours way better. Um, okay. <laughs> the uh, the other question that I have for you now, Pokemon are based on a wide variety of creatures and mythical beings and objects. You know, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a garbage bag Pokemon. Uh, what? <laughs> there actually is. Uh, what animal or mythical? No, you're being, right. You're right. Yeah. What kind of animal or mythical being or object that has not yet been a Pokemon would you like to see as one that you would catch and keep in your team forever and love and hold? Yada yada yada. yada?
1: that's even harder than the first question (laughs) um mostly because i don't know all the pokemon like have you ever tried to keep up with that you ever see those people like with pokemon sword and shield where they're like oh they should have put all the pokemon in there i was like is that like possible you know the issue i keep running (laughs) into
0: is that they have like seven eight hundred pokemon now you can use six at once like come on guys
1: yeah you're gonna need to start looking at like rts like turn-based army games with that number of pokemon like well they got to be close to a thousand by now
0: they're very close uh, I'm pretty sure so that
1: said I, <laughs> I mean i don't know what all pokemon there are uh i think it would be fascinating to have a space-oriented pokemon game going back to the moon thing mm-hmm. uh where you have pokemon that are essentially living sentient planets uh and that's like comic book territory dude but like that would be pretty neat, I think.
0: A living sentient planet. I love that idea. That's a good, that's nice. You know, we've got a whole bunch of Pokemon clone style games like that Tim Tim is the big one on PC and PS5 right now. But I don't think I've seen anything like that concept before, so I like that. You know, keep that about, keep in back. Keep my back pocket become an any developer make a lot of money do a Kickstarter. Oh, dang
1: it, you took my idea.
0: Joink, that's the whole purpose behind the PopZara podcast, folks. No, actually, the PopZara podcast is here for your entertainment guys. My name is Corey Gallagher. I am the Senior Games Editor from PopZara.com, and I have been here with Moses Norton from the... Uh, Moses Norton, known as the Well-Read Mage, from the-pixels.com. Is that correct? I always mess it up.
1: Yeah, that's all. That's all right. Well, we sorted it out on the last episode you were on, on MageCast. It was
0: perfect. Mm, thepixels.com, com. Yeah he runs Magecast which is a fantastic podcast and I can say that because I'm on it so I know it's true so listen to his stuff <laughs> read his stuff come read our stuff listen to our stuff this has been the Pops star podcast thank you again like thank you Moses Norton
1: Oh thank me me okay <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were saying like thank
0: you to the audience
1: <laughs> Thank you Corey. it was it was a delight talking to you
0: as always Hey absolutely and uh I guess you've not been on the show before, so you know how we usually sign off our podcast, which is this. Hey, everybody, we will see you guys on the next level. Good night. You've been listening to the PopZara podcast. For more quality original content, check out PopZara.com for the latest reviews and previews in gaming, movies, tech, and more.